Welcome to Object Passion. We're so glad you're here. Let me introduce ourselves. I am Sharif Manganis, and I'm flanked to my left and right by Joe Wang and Thomas Kim. We're a group of industrial designers in love with objects, and we would like to welcome you into our bi-monthly discussion about all things shiny. So pull up a chair and please join in. I'll just update you a little bit. I mean, for my iPhone, I did unlock and then I did try to download Clubhouse. The problem mm-hmm. is Clubhouse only operates on the version of iOS 13 or above. The one that I have is iPhone 6 and the iPhone 6 only can uh, update up to um, 12.5. I try to like jailbreak because, you know, I saw YouTube and people do jailbreak and download newest iOS. But then I don't know, every time I do that, Apple like firewall blocks or something it just doesn't get installed so, so it does have all the progress it installs everything and then like it restarts and then it goes back to 12.5 for some reason see this is one of the many reasons that i i switched away from apple they buy into this philosophy that like they can tell you what to do with your device after you've bought it mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly. It drives me nuts. Like, okay, will it be a quality experience if you put the latest operating system on an old device? No, absolutely not. Right. But the fact that you can't and the fact that you can't use new apps means that ultimately you have a hunk of junk. Like, it doesn't make sense for app developers to continually have, like, legacy support if, you know, like, there's always something new coming in. And, I mean, I get it to some degree that's part of Android's problem and it's why all of this stuff is so clunky doesn't scale because they got to support all these old devices that nobody uses and all this shit you know anymore but like that's so frustrating you're going through all this effort. You got an iPhone, setting everything up, <laughs> and complete the task. Like that's the name. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out a way. There, I think there's a way. It's just a lot of work, and I'm not a programmer, so I just need to, uh, you know, really figure it out and do some research. But it's very bothersome. Speaking of Clubhouse, I remember I was telling Thomas or someone else, Clubhouse is going to be very dumb if they don't do it in Android because Android has the most people that is using it. Android has the more populations. Yeah, I think the uh, when I, I read the article and they say, you know, as soon as they realize more people are joining to Clubhouse, the Clubhouse team members now decided to develop one for Android. The they thing have- is, yeah, they just started. So I think their earliest day, think end of this year, latest early next year, they'll publish Android version. I don't know. I mean, they probably didn't realize that it's going to be like so popular of sudden like this. So, But like in the other hand, I think, Joe, you mentioned that this could be also like a really big hype. Right. Yeah, it is. Because I think a lot of my friends are using it and a lot of them are saying that it's a hype because not only you have to find proper speakers, but a lot of times those speakers are not quality speakers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are just chatting in the group. 
and then chat whatever it is that they come out with. A few of my friends already quit Clubhouse because of that. And the uh-huh. other thing is because it's from China, you know, the data is it's gonna go go to their pocket. Oh, so Clubhouse mm-hmm. is actually based on Chinese. Yeah, the data yeah. is from Chinese. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, I didn't know about. That. Yeah, I was gonna say I've actually read some interesting critiques of Clubhouse recently. The first being what Joe just talked about that it's a similar issue with concerns over like TikTok or like the drone manufacturer DJI having the predominant servers of operations being in China. So that means that all of your data, all of the information, the algorithms are gaining about you go overseas, which if they were privately held isn't wouldn't be as much of a concern. However, the the deal with the Chinese government is that they own a 50% stake in whatever mm-hmm. company operates on their land. Yeah, uh, and yeah. that's not excluding even companies like Ford. If Ford wants to set up shop in Ford, China, the Chinese government owns 50% of it. <laughs> oh, wow. And so, like, realistically, that that's a huge, huge national security concern, mm-hmm. uh, as we've seen with hacking and external threats from, like, foreign nationals. The other critique that I've heard of Clubhouse was due to the fact that it encrypted private chat. Mm-hmm. It also creates a potential soil for extremism like you can have you know brief streams prop up where somebody like sends out a code word or sends out like a message to like a mass group of people they tune in at a certain time boom they all get the command and they can work in coordination this is some of the things that we talked about before with design about in school we were taught to worry about designing killing machines i think this is a much greater design concern you know right. that a lot of these companies and a lot of these startup are not thinking about the ethical ramifications of the Mm. use of their tools or technology. And every other industry um, has to do that. Automotive companies are held to such a high standard of responsibility for the use and misuse of their vehicles. Mm -hmm. We're seeing a lot of these technology companies being used and abused these days, and they bear some responsibility in design. I really, I really believe that to be the case. So it's interesting. I wonder if with what Joe, you were saying that your friends are quitting the app combined with some of these other concerns, like I wonder if the hype of Clubhouse is going to die out actually pretty quickly. That's what I was wondering too, because it just doesn't seem normal for a product mm. to be hyped that fast and then quit that fast, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think the uh, another concern that I have about uh, Clubhouse is the fraud and also inappropriated uh, uh, conversations or unfiltered, uncensored, you know, I don't want to say uncensored because it's freedom of speech, but I heard mm. that already a lot of appropriate conversations such such as like prostitutions or mm-hmm. it, it happens every time like something new comes up right now is uh, the clubhouse is from what I know is struggling filtering all these things out because they're actually live streaming right. and normally uh, Twitch or all these uh, big companies 
companies that already established this good system, they ban posts or panels that, that are doing incorporated stuff. But mm-hmm. I mean, Clubhouse at this point, they don't have, it seems like they, they're struggling with these situations. You know? mm-hmm. so, so that's also something that I'm kind of looking, you know, interested to see how they're going to resolve this problem. And also they're letting uh, people do like fraud stuff because the difference between like live cam streaming to just voice podcast is they could fake the voice and people will never know. Mm, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. If you're on a live streaming with your faces off, then, you know, like showing the faces to the world, it's harder for them to like scam, you know, and if Mm -hmm. if they do, Mm -hmm. they'll be criticized. People already know their identity, but yeah. for things like podcasts, things like Clubhouse, just using voice, it's going to be easier for those scammers to scam mm-hmm. people easy. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. They can just change the voice and that's it. I don't know how they're going to deal with this problem as well. For me, I see this as kind of the, <laughs> to, to use a terrible phrase from politics, the uh, the known unknown. I, I know that sounds very funny to say, but what I mean is that these kind of things almost nowadays are a little predictable. Mm-hmm. And it makes the task of launching a new venture in a space very daunting because right. I'm sure these guys sat there and said, okay, we've got a new hot thing. It's a time-based audio streaming service. Perfect. You can have a fireside chat with your content creators and uh, celebrities and whatever. Captive audience. Great, great, great. But you can also predict with that technology that it would be used in bad ways, right? Previously, the way kind of design had been done, you you would be responsible from that from the beginning. You would predict as many downsides as you could, strategize for them and create plans and solutions and then roll out your product. Now with the new approach of kind of releasing almost a working beta, a lot of this stuff isn't there and a lot of the teams don't have the resources. Think about what we just spoke about in such a short time with, with Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. They have to have a development team for creating an app for a completely different platform, yeah. which will open them audience-wise to how many million new potential users when they already have a problem with content management and for dealing with people who have fraud, who are like fraud and trying to like steal money or whatever from people. So like imagine the amount of resources and amount of money that they need to marshal to all of a sudden be able to do this. And then meanwhile, they're getting hammered for not having an Android version and opening <laughs> it up to a larger audience. Right. Like it, how do you not, you know, want to commit seppuku, you know, like after all of this, you're just like, what can I do? <laughs> I just busted my hump to bring this thing to market. And then all of a sudden, you guys are saying it's great, but it's not enough. I got to do this. I got to do that. <laughs> so like on, on, on some level, I feel bad for them. I, I, it just kind of dawned on me as we were yeah. talking. Jeez, man, these guys are in a great position. <laughs> yeah. Like I was wondering what this thing will become when the pandemic is quiet down. Mm. Because, because this thing is here because of pandemic. Right. To be honest right. with you, like, this thing is here because of the pandemic and they want people to talk, to chat with each other. Then that goes to our topic, outdoor activities and indoor activities. 
I think when the pandemic is over, Clubhouse is gonna be not dying, but it will be fade fade away because people will actually going out and do activities. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Part, partial people, but the rest of people they might still using the Clubhouse. I think the uh, I agree, and also to add on to that, I think Clubhouse might survive through and then do better if they evolve mm, into yeah. something else. You know, yeah, yeah. If you if they just stay as I think it's the same thing as like obviously mm-hmm. you know with other apps too. You know, if they just stay the same, you know, they die down. You know, like they, they eventually have to evolve, in, right? Right. In different different branch. I mean, if you remember, uh, Instagram actually adapted a story mm-hmm. from yeah. Snapchat. I believe Snapchat was the first one who actually mm-hmm. had those yeah. like a so so called story. You know, you put yeah. like a moment of a video, like a short video. Yeah. You know, yeah. just for the for the seconds, right? And then it only lasts for how many as long as you want it. But then Instagram took it and then they put it into their stuff. And now they have thing called Real, which is like adaptation from TikTok, right? Basically, if you don't evolve and you know start adapting like different things or create new things, eventually every app die down. You guys, remember mm-hmm. MySpace? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually, become take over by Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And even Facebook nowadays, not many people are using it. Aside, no, mm-hmm. no, because Facebook is it becomes more of like a business. Yeah, Facebook became yeah. yeah more like a commercial business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think also it's just for the profile, you know, just mm-hmm. for your like so called like existence. I feel like Facebook became more like your ID card, basically. Like, oh, do mm-hmm. you have a Facebook, and then you can just check some photos of that person yeah. and. Yeah. Uh, you know some interest that they have but that's about it you know you don't really yeah. see their lives and lives anymore but if mm-hmm. you go instagram like they see it more i think it's because instagram is heavily photo based yeah i guess like a newer generation they don't like to write like a long passage mm-hmm. of what's going on instead of they just want to explain with like a one photo yeah right and i think clubhouse is sort of next step i guess you know because instead of it makes the poster easier, you know, people who are posting mm-hmm. easier for them to send out message. Because Facebook normally used to have like, I mean, they have a photo, but they have a wall that actually uh, you have to write down what you've been doing, what you're thinking and all that stuff. And then now uh, Instagram, you can just put photo and hashtags. And then mm-hmm. I think the clubhouse now you just talk. Like yeah. what you're doing, application of the social media evolves into something that makes a people share their life easier and easier. I was I have a slightly controversial opinion here. I don't see the point of Clubhouse whatsoever, and I honestly don't think it has a future whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> And, and largely because everything you said that it has qualities to be able to do, Twitch and YouTube streaming already do. Yeah. Like, literally. <laughs> they already have all of the sophistication, all of the moderation. All mm-hmm. they have to do is just not stream video. Right. <laughs> they already have the, the more... It's kind of like it's easier for a premium brand to make a budget car than it is for a budget car brand to make a premium vehicle. Right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the premium car just needs to remove pieces in order to hit the budget. The, the budget company needs to expense 
tremendous money in order to get up to premium market. So I don't see how Clubhouse has any potential future at all, aside mm-hmm. from hype. The, the true underpinnings, the true mechanics of what it is already exist. <laughs> <laughs> There was a huge ban. I, I wonder what the listeners' reaction is going to be to our point. We should quote Sharif. <laughs> I, I could be completely wrong, and I've been wrong on these sort of things before. But I've been slowly getting involved in like consuming and taking notes on what streamers and like content creators are doing. And I just, aside from like it being the the new thing and kind of jumping on to ensure that they don't miss the bus, I don't foresee. See any advantage to content creators using it? Like, if you watch, like, even a lot of YouTubers, they outright state they hate TikTok. Mm-hmm. They they genuinely do. Mm-hmm. And if it weren't for their specific audience not using it, like, if, if their audience suddenly stopped using it tomorrow. They would not use it. No joke. If that happened on any level, TikTok would literally die overnight. Right. Right. <laughs> right? Because, true. like, truly, what is it doing? That what is it delivering that doesn't already exist on other platforms? It, it doesn't have enough of a unique IP aside from its algorithm. Its right. algorithm, I hear, is is so powerful. It's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Really, I I don't. See, it, it kind of makes sense on some level for me. The business side of these companies, if you look at it from a different perspective, mm-hmm. if you want to make like these companies don't make sense to me at all from like a user content creation or like even financial side from what their content is about. But if you look at it from okay, I am testing. A range of different algorithmic expressions mm-hmm. to read, understand, and predict human behavior, and mm-hmm. then I'm going to like leverage those algorithms. That's where the money is in this whole stuff. The whole platform almost doesn't even matter. Yeah. So it, that that's the only part where I see this going forward. But I don't even think Clubhouse is really actually built around an algorithm. So I'll double down on what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say two things. First, we are still gonna get on Clubhouse. Of course. Aside that our, I guess, opinion. But I think secondly, all the Clubhouse developers, if you have something to say, come to our show. <laughs> I would you, love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah you I would guys love can talk about. Criticize our point as much yeah. as you can. Just come to our show and share your thoughts. Uh, we'll gladly have you guys have chance to speak up about your app, and also if you guys even pro wants to promote them, we'll be happy to give you our spot. So, <laughs> absolutely, no, they, yeah, that's true. Like all jokes aside, I'm very, very welcoming of any healthy discussion. Yeah. you know, any healthy debate yeah. on, and and I'm open to learn new things. Like really, if somebody can. Tell me or share with me a perspective that I may not have seen in this matter before. Please illuminate me. I beg you. I, I <laughs> yeah. really appreciate yeah. that. Actually, genuinely, it's, it's 
it's always a good thinking, good observations from other people. It's always good to see people's mind, to see how they mm-hmm. design something the way they did. And it, yeah, it's. I agree with you guys. I really, I would love to talk about Clubhouse. I would love to talk about the design behind Clubhouse,、mm. behind the scenes of why they chose the way they did and why they designed the way they did. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, but, Absolutely, but but I think for any other social media out there, it's always funny to for me to see social media because when we think about design, like social media design and stuff, we think of it as we want to get people closer, get the relationship closer. But the reality is, we actually pulling people apart. Far and far away. <laughs> yeah, it's very. It's always a good thinking for me. At least for me, like how should we, as a content creator right now, as as us, how should we bring people closer, but not in like a social media virus way. Yeah, that's what I like about the podcast, and I think this is something that, as a host of ourselves, always need to be reminded that、mm-hmm. we want to really open people's mind and the eyes, not to close their minds off, because that's.、Oh, yeah. like, I feel like that's what happens to a lot of social media these days. I'm I'm sure developers not intend to do this, but I think when I look at Instagram, Facebook,、um, you're only following or being a friend with somebody you're interested in.、Um, mm. Oftentimes, I understand like people have different thoughts, but online it's so easy to disconnect people. So、um, like if you don't like the what other person is thinking, you all of a sudden become just judgmental and you know disconnect that person. I don't want to get into too. Heavy like politics, but I'm more、uh, on a liberal side. But I have like friends who are more conservative. Some of them actually. Supported Trump when Trump was a president. I am still friend with them. You know, I see their points. They're not bad people. You know, they're、mm-hmm. they got some good、exactly. points. I just happen to disagree with a lot of their points. But、mm-hmm. I understand if I think try to think about their perspective, I know where they're coming from. But online, it's funny how a lot of people judge me just because I'm liberal. This is the problem, and I feel what Joe is is touching on is the separation、uh, that that's. Created by social media, and、uh, based on a lot of my reading and researching, and kind of getting into this topic over the years, the real culprit at the core of this is the algorithms. And how they're designed.、Mm-hmm. They really only they look like look at TikTok. TikTok's a perfect example. If you click on a TikTok supporting one political person or another at least like two times, the very next day your feed will be full of TikToks、exactly. from the perspective of that political side that you're biased towards. Right. Personally, I'm apolitical. I think most politicians are out for themselves, so I don't have a dog in the fight personally. But having said that, there are a lot of situations where people they only repetitively see their own perspectives and pushes them down this rabbit hole of exclusionary thinking. It's us versus them. This is one of the typical like logical fallacies that. People can like get into, 
where you really just seek to exclude another group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also feeds you more information. Uh, the algorithm feeds you more information about why the other group is bad. Right. And so you guys just get bombarded with this information, demonizing the other side, further entrenching you. And then next thing you know, a person that you've known your whole life, that you had no idea about their politics, they say one thing about their politics, it triggers all these negative things that you've been seeing right. and been by the algorithm and boom, right. now they're instantly a bad person. And right. it's like, wait a second, that was the person that had your back all of these years. You learned one thing about them and now they're a bad person. Like that doesn't add up for me. Like I, I'm a little bit older than the other guys. And I grew up in a period of heavy bipartisanship in this country where the right and the left openly discuss things, work together to pass legislation that was beneficial to the country. And guess what? During that period, we had the greatest economic prosperity in the last 50 years of this country. (laughs) So this tribalism, this like, it's not just even tribalism in this. I'm seeing it pervade into like hobbies. There are people who are on this side of the fence about a hobby and that side of the fence, you know, either you're a sport bike guy, you're a Harley guy, you're a cafe racer guy, either you're a muscle car guy or you're a rice rocket kind of guy, you know what I mean? And like while those divisions always existed, they were never so entrenched and they were never so like, I am all about this life. That's the real culprit to social media. And truthfully, this is very interesting because I sent the guys an article earlier this week about retro tech. And I think the approach is almost, again, a little bit like retro tech here. When you go to Facebook and you want to get into, say, a subject, like perfect example for me, Subarus, okay? Mm-hmm. I've been looking to see if I can find a 2.5 RS. Impreza. And I used to go to forums, forums like NASIOC, RS25.com, and a couple of others for like Subaru stuff. Those don't exist anymore. They're so dead. It's not even funny because everybody switched to Facebook group. But here's the problem. I can't find those groups. I don't know where they are. So I wasn't around when everybody transitioned. So I don't know what the keywords are to search for them. And then Mm -hmm. on top of that, when you're in those groups, you only see the people in those groups. And there's very little overlap of those people into other areas. See, when you used to go on forums, you would see people who were into engine tuning, the people who are into suspension tuning, and then those would be your local guys that you would chat to. And so then you would know, okay, this guy knows more about suspension. This guy knows more about engine management. Let me pick their brains back and forth, right? And you knew that because you talked to them in those other like sub forums, right? But it was all in one place. And now going into all of these disparate groups on Facebook, it just separates us even more into these like little sub, 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 sub groups. (laughs) And I never see or talk to anybody. I I don't even know where to find people or things anymore. And I'm not a boomer idiot. Like I'm, I know tech, like I build tech, (laughs) you know, like I'm not 
an idiot, but it's not hard. It's not easy, I should say. It is hard. Right, I, right. I feel more separated than I ever have before. I don't know if you guys have the same feeling as me. I don't know if I'm getting old or something. I just don't use social media that much these days. And then just wanted to go outside and just enjoy the weather. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have the same feeling. Mm -hmm. And what Sharif was saying, sometimes, yeah, there's a group on Facebook that I wanted to join, but I'm like, you know what? Nah, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I'm just going to search online if i can't find it then wrap it up <laughs> yeah <laughs> i definitely agree because um i used to be very active in uh, on my social media and i am still with my motorcycle but i think it's also because you know as you get older you're more focused in your life you know anything that is very distracting you slowly just cut them yeah. up you yeah, know exactly. and you also realize not many people really care about your life you know like yeah. everything you know it's, it's not like I'm, i'm saying in a very depressing way it's actually really nice to know that Green. the world is not or you know revolving around you you know yeah Yeah. yeah. You're you're just one of the person in like on the earth like I don't know 7 billion people now. Every single person they're posting their life and sharing their life. I mean it's great to share life with friends but I think it's more meaningful when you see them in person and you know yeah. we, mm -hmm. which which we do but you know you don't have to tell the world that you're you're doing this and that. The world will know when they think that you're doing something meaningful, they'll find you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to go chase after the world saying, look at me, look at yeah. me. So I think, I think that's the reason why I slowly like disengage myself from, you know, all these social medias. I only do like motorcycle because I have a plan to sort of do like a business or financial related with my motorcycle mm -hmm. in the future. But like my personal life, I only share with my friends. I, you know, my Instagram is private and I, I want to mm -hmm. keep it that way because I just like to have. Just my friends, you know, close friends who cares about me just sharing lives together. That's all it is. You know, I don't need to tell the world I'm having such a great life because sometimes I have a great life, but sometimes I have, <laughs> you know, bad days. That's, yeah. that's the life, you know, but if you look at Instagram, everybody's having like happiest moment in their lives every yeah, day. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's almost impossible. You know? yeah. yeah. Even richest people, I'm pretty sure they have crappy life, crappy days time to time. Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, something I, I told uh, one of my friends, Natalia, I don't know if you guys remember her from Art Center. I know her, yeah. I told her, even the richest person, even the, the head of the biggest company, the craziest idol, wakes up, has to clear the crust from their eyes, you know, worries about this and that payment, has to, right. you know, shower. They don't wake up, load out of the bed, carried by doves. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, it, yeah. that's, and that's the truth, right? Like, it, we're human. Yeah. You know, that they, life is good, life is bad, life is up, life is down. That That's truth. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think another thing that social media, like, you know, what you just mentioned, Sharif, is kind of making people feel like they're doing something wrong if they're not having a good time. But I think it's okay to have sad days or angry days. That's just part of life. Sometimes you get depressed, you know, and that's okay, you know, as long mm -hmm. as you find a way, healthy way to get back up again. But like social media kind of makes you feel like if you're depressed, you're seriously something is wrong. 
and mm. that makes mm-hmm. you even more feel like you're you're worthless. You know, that's I think a lot of people their self esteem goes down through social media because of that. So I highly recommend a lot of my friends to quit the social media for a while. That actually clears your mind a lot. I actually did that, like a we call it social media fasting for about like a couple of weeks. And then, you know, I got back on, I mean, I still look at like social media a little bit, but I didn't post anything. I was just like very down low. And then when I got back, the amount of time I spent on social media reduced <clears throat> compared to before. Yeah. You know? And yeah. that really helped me to focus on my life. It's very interesting because a lot of people feel like they need to be a slave to it. And I, and I speak from personal experience there. So at least for the listeners, a little bit of background with me is uh, operated one previously successful enterprise that largely depended on social media marketing. Uh, and then I'm currently working on uh, a second. Uh, during this time, I actually quit Facebook. I mean, I still own my account uh, because I just want to own it, but I don't post on it. (laughs) I don't log in and read stuff. And it's been one of the greatest decisions of my life because as Thomas and Joe said earlier, people aren't sharing personal stuff on there anymore. You know, they're, they're sharing the latest news article, the latest political view, the latest cooking recipe, like whatever. And truth be told, I was doing the same thing. It became less and less personal for me. So I got rid of it completely. That was a massive help. Uh, But the other thing that I wanted to mention was that the slave component, a little personal like side story, but like through half of last week and most of the week before it, I don't know. I just had like a wave of like slight depression kind of come over me. I've been a little frustrated with some of my projects. Uh, one of the people that I'm contracted with is not really holding up their side of the contract. So that's been like stressing me out. COVID, obviously, like restrictions have mm-hmm. been delaying shipping and, and delivery of products to distributors. And then just, again, with the delays, a lot of my designs and products that were supposed to come out last year are just now starting to come out this year. And who knows if we'll even be able to deliver all of them throughout this year. So I'm just sitting here like, oh man, this is going to affect my finances. This is going to affect my mental health. I got to like bust my ass, produce a whole bunch of new stuff so that I can like bolster this for the future. And then I got to work on diverse ways. I just went into a little bit of a tailspin. But the reality is I've been there before. I know how to handle it. I willingly walked away from social media during that time. And I didn't feel compelled to post or share anything. I just gave myself some time off. And that's okay. It's okay to do that. It's okay to feel beholden to these people. Sure, some people are like, oh, where are you? Screw them. (laughs) As Thomas has has said on more than one occasion, these people really don't care about you. They're not really invested in you. Some people just get antsy. They want answers. They have questions, whatever, whatever. The reality is it may not seem like a big deal to them because they're living their lives. But for you, 
they're one of the many voices that coming at you simultaneously. So it feels endless. Uh, and it's okay to take a break from that and not right. do anything for a little while and give yourself time to kind of focus on yourself. And guess what? Middle of last week, I let myself feel that way. I embraced it. I really like thought through it. I feel great. I'm not depressed. I'm making jokes. You know what I mean? I, mean, I, I, mean, I went out on a walk the other day, yeah. enjoyed nature, you know, like <laughs> you feel you're a human being. Sometimes it's okay to feel yeah, yeah. like Thomas, like what you were saying, social media tries to tell you that that's not okay. And that, <laughs> you know, that's right. not life. For me, social media, I've seen everybody using social media as a business. Every mm-hmm. day they have to do this and this and that to fulfill the social media satisfaction. But yeah, I yeah. think it's kind of when the social media come out, it's kind of the other way where people mm-hmm. just have having fun and then just share your life. But nowadays people are more so doing in a daily basis. It's like a routine. It's like a business yeah. for them. And I seen it this way. And I think, I think it's a virus <laughs> to be honest, because it's like you guys are saying, it's, it's okay to be yourself. You don't have to be like, Oh, this guy's saying this and this and that. I have to do whatever he's saying so I can fulfill the satisfaction. Going back to a topic that we have today outdoors and indoors i think we definitely need to go outdoors and enjoy nature once yeah. in a while and then just embrace yourself on the natures and then having discussions in the nature face to face is fulfilling it's not lonely you know <laughs> yeah yeah definitely i think the uh the one thing i want to mention to uh, about uh, social media before we move on to our outdoor hobbies and you know indoor hobbies mm-hmm. etc i feel like it's cool to have social media i think you know definitely there was some positive effect for having social media is to connect with my old friends i even got to see my uh, childhood friends from korea because through the facebook he had facebook and i we connect again and then i actually went to korea and then we you know we hung out again and uh, that was really cool uh, we shared our childhood and stuff so there's definitely positive effect i think the most important thing is i think starting maybe this generation there needs needs to be some sort of education on social media too for people to really use it properly not to abuse or not to boast you know not to create uh false information not to Mm. um say anything appropriate uh not to create wrong rumors and etc i think that's why you know i always tell this to people you know the ideas are always pure it's the people who's corrupting the idea yeah 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 so i'm sure social media when uh people are creating you know this um idea i'm pretty sure you know in the beginning everybody was thinking very this utopian sense of you know Mm -hmm. everybody's connected everybody's easy to communicate we get to know each other faster we are more connected faster but in reality like we just talked about today it actually disconnects us and uh, divide us uh in Mm -hmm. some way and why is that i think it's the people who are using it incorrectly i think um because our generation never had this education about how to use social media but anything you know we I remember my uh, high school had um, stock market class and Mm. my older generation thought that was very weird because that's something that they didn't learn from school. But then we learned because the stock market was the thing, you know, it was becoming big, you know, you start influencing people enough that the school thought that they need to educate this new generation 
to understand about the stock market, right? So same idea, I think, for younger generation now needs to learn about how to use, how to behave properly in internet. Mm, mm, mm. That's that's what it needs to be done. And on the side, I think government should really start getting engaged and uh, start... Yeah, creating platforms and hire all these hackers, you know, like these hackers are just going around making crimes. Like, I think they should just get a job for government and then create this good structure for us to be free on online, yet still be organized. Because right now it's just chaos. There are a lot of wrong information out there that people just clearly believe in. Media is manipulating these online contents. And I think that's what government really needs to look into it for the better future now uh, because this is going to be our second world basically but on the side there is also importance in meeting physically in person going outdoor you know and that's something that we need to get into the pandemic actually kind of gave us opportunity to experience that i think which is ironically which is great positive yeah It's really funny because I do feel on some level the younger generation are, uh, or at least what I'm getting exposed to and seeing in the younger generation, like those who are born in like the mid-90s and later, they kind of get this. Yeah, they have social media, but they don't spend a ton of time on it. They're actually getting together and creating videos and right. uh, making things and collaborating in ways that is really interesting. Like us, the older, like quote unquote, older generation. Now. <laughs> yeah, compared to them, you know. Yeah, like <laughs> we're not, we've lost the plot a little bit with that. And I feel that they are engaging more and doing things outside and creatively during this pandemic than than the older folks really are. The older folks are the ones who are like sitting on social media all day stressing yeah. out about stuff. <laughs> exactly. You know? Older folks. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like it's weird to say it. I think the worst is those older folks with the kids who are also mm-hmm. on computer twenty or yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not even computer anymore. It's like your tablet, right? Yeah, yeah, twenty four seven. I can imagine the like a conversation they could have in their household. Everybody's like, looking down and then just exactly. going, yeah. Dude, my uh, my niece or not my what is she? My cousin, I guess. Uh, anyways, uh, I have an adopted cousin, and she's in that age group. And I also have uh, my my friend's uh, children who are even younger. And it's so funny. They don't, like, they're on their phone a yeah. lot, right? Mm-hmm. But they're not on social media almost mm-hmm. at all. They're watching YouTube videos, and they're texting their friends. And they're making plans to do things, spend time with each other, or are like, yo, I miss you. I haven't seen you in a while. They're trying, they're thriving much more on those in-person connections. And it's so funny because you do see the quote unquote older generation, like the 30 and ups 
who are really the ones who are perpetuating this stuff. At least, at least we are not doing phoning. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's bad, you know. I, I don't know about you guys, but like, I've been trying to find reasons and excuses to get back outside and like do things. Yeah. Uh, I work from home. Aside from grocery shopping, I really don't need to leave the house for anything. Yeah, uh, that, that becomes a problem because during the, the pandemic, really, if you feed into that next thing you know, after the pandemic, you won't want to go outside anymore. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for me, I'll tell you what, guys, I got fat. I did. Like, I was always heavy. Don't get me wrong. But man, I was working out before this pandemic stuff and I gained it all back. <laughs> Dude, oh, look at me. I got double chin. Come on. <laughs> we all got double chin here. Yeah. <laughs> no, also- I, I'm just saying, you know, so it's been a good motivator for me. Like, the weather is starting to warm up, having like, fever, and like, okay, let's go for walks. Let's try and exercise. Come on, let's get sexy. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of outdoor, you know, you guys all know that I'm a big fan of motorcycle and, you know, ride motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so for me to take my motorcycle somewhere far and you know do some outdoor activity, I got I got a new truck. Oh, you guys know. Nice. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's you know it's got a it's used ninety five Tacoma. Um, you know, still working to make it perfect, but engine and transmission's good because those things never break down. But yeah, I'm trying to see if I can load up my bike and maybe drive up somewhere far. Maybe you know I'll drive up to where Sheriff is right now and. Uh, you know, maybe we can all camp out there. And I'm waiting for Joe to get either his bike or uh, you know some off-roading car so we can go some wilderness together. Like it's it's so crazy you, you say that because after Thomas got a bike, uh, not a bike, a uh, truck. I have been looking into trucks and like off-roaders. And mm-hmm. just yesterday, the power of social media comes back. Like I didn't even search truck or something else on the internet. Just well, not on the internet, but on the Facebook and on the uh, Instagram. And the article just pop up who knows where comes from like so the article is talking about for bronco i don't know if you guys seen it but but i think it's very interesting like they talk about how they designed for bronco in a way that trans design never did before right where mm-hmm. they do it human-centric product first the design around yeah. people not our not the look of it, not the right. company, but they designed it what we did in product design. Like they designed it, yeah. they experience it, they pro- prototype it, and then they treat it as a product design. Everything is useful. Everything is necessity. The article is actually pretty interesting to talk about. It's pretty interesting to look at how design has evolved in different areas and how each design has its own story. Bronco, like full Bronco or Defenders or even like a truck, those are on my pocket list. For me, like outdoor activities right now is for me, it's like luxury because what I did, like model making, podcasts and then finding jobs, I don't need to go out like Sheriff did. I don't need to yeah. go out. We, right. we, all, we all stay home. I'm looking forward into like different activities to do like other than just typing and typing and searching, yeah. browsing online. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, honestly, like that's been a, a large reason of, or a large, uh, yeah, reason's the right word uh, for the motivation, kind of getting uh 
back in shape a bit. I want to go camping, man. Like I miss sleeping outside. I miss making a fire, you know? I miss grilling up some food either on that fire or next to the fire. I'm sure I've told you guys this before, but I, I miss the bears. I've had several encounters with bears and I miss it. I haven't had one in a while. So like, it, all of that is so much easier when you get in shape. You want to go on hikes and stuff like that. So I'm kind of doing like the pre-workout planning for that. But for like affordable things to do for fun, camping is really hard to beat. Right. Like you get a decent tent, a decent sleeping bag, and yeah, like a car camping location is very cheap depending on where you want to go and time of exactly. year. And you get to be outside. You can go hop in a lake. <laughs> you, the thing is, you don't even have to pay for Airbnb or anything if you have a tent. Right? It's one of the most versatile things that you can actually even own. It's good in a case of an emergency. It's good in case you are traveling somewhere and you can't get a hotel room. You know, you can find like campsites and rent campsites pretty cheap in a lot of places. Man, I am really sounding like somebody who's like anti-technology and anti-future <laughs> in this podcast. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so episode. <laughs> but just to let all the listeners know, Sheriff is the one who actually started earlier with their drone. The uh, early adapter. <laughs> Just to let everybody know. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird because I'm all talking about like survivalist via nature. <laughs> But it's very interesting, yeah. ironically interesting, is because, you know, we're actually in a field where we're creating new stuff, but we have this sort of reminiscing feeling mm. of old stuff, always. Yeah. I think designers, they always feel like a, for public, like a lot of people think that designers, they are always like seeking after new stuff, but all the wisdom and all the inspiration actually comes from what has been already done. Mm. You know, yeah. if you yeah. kind yeah. of straight yeah. back, we find a lot of ideas from our nature basically. I think that's why we are talking so much about this outdoors and natures and all that stuff. I think it actually makes sense. I, I think it even makes sense. Like, look at your choice for vehicle, picking up a truck. Yeah. Yeah, okay, it's modern. You know, it, it has fuel injection. We, we, You guys uh, may not have heard in the conversation earlier, but Thomas picked up a new truck, a new used truck, we should say. Right, and right. I think it was genius to pick up a used vehicle because it's so much easier to work on. You have accessibility to the different parts. Getting them is much cheaper than buying replacement parts for a new car. Right. Uh, so there's validity to going to like the past to do things. Also, the reason why is because I can't afford the uh, Cybertruck. <laughs> 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 do you want to go off-roading or do you want to drive through a mountain? <laughs> I guess through the mountain later, but off-roading is enough for me. I mean, technically it's four by, it's not even four by four, so I can't even do off-roading right now, you know, but my main idea was to take my motorcycle to different places. Which I think is such a cool idea and a great way to spend your time outdoors. That is like the trade-off, right? Like if you want to go to places car or motorcycle wouldn't go, you need a vehicle that is more specialized for that purpose. But then if you are a person who enjoys sport driving or sport riding, you, you're stuck with that off-road option. And that's not a sporty feel at all. 
Right. You're doing both, which is so smart. So smart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what made you think of like doing that in the first place? You mean with the truck? Yeah. Like, what made you say I want to go here, but I also want to take my motorcycle? I think the mostly is because you know I, I like camping. I like outdoor activities in general. You know, without a motorcycle. But then mm -hmm. you know every weekend I go out riding motorcycle with my friends. I think it's sort of repeating over and over again every week. And I realized that I wanted to do something more special. I wanted to go different places. I realized yeah. that yeah, riding with like skill is one thing that. I like, but also another thing is I want to actually ride at a place where I never rode before. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's why you know I kind of start thinking, oh, maybe I should just get a truck and uh, drive somewhere far with my motorcycle. So smart too, because like the the double edged sword, for example, if you have a sports car and you want to do what you're talking about, you drive the sports car to the destination, mm -hmm. and you're usually so tired from driving the sports car because the ride is stiff, it's so sensitive that you're too exhausted to drive when you get to your destination. <laughs> yeah, and I have a towing trailer. I mean, I, I haven't bought the trailer yet, but the tra tra mm. trail dock. If you want to bring your uh, uh, rally car, then you know I can lower my bike and your rally car and Joe's bike on all my truck. <laughs> <laughs> so now we have a plan for this summer. <laughs> Yeah, geez. <laughs> Speaking of rally cars, dude, it's been so, oh my God. I never thought it would be so difficult to try and find a used Subaru 2.5 RS in decent condition. I never thought it would be difficult to find, first mm. of all. Just period, end of sentence. Right. But I never thought it would be this hard. Mm -hmm. And it's so crazy because I, I briefly mentioned it when we were talking about social media stuff. But, like, the forums are non-existent. It's difficult to, like, track down for sale groups on Facebook for, like, such a niche item. Uh, and a lot of the stuff you're seeing are more modern Subarus. I mean, if you think about it, this car is from 94 to, like, 97 is the oh, window that I'm looking for. Yeah. So that's pretty old by car standards now. Right. And so I, <laughs> this is the funny part. I opened up the search parameters to include a, a little known Subaru model. Okay. So if it's not clear to everybody, I'm, I'm a, a very big Subaru guy. I've had three so far in my life. <laughs> and that's just in 2000. <laughs> so, Never heard a uh, person with three Subaru before. Yeah, yeah. And two that's, of them that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, I, I've had two BRZs back to back, and then I had a, a WRX before that. Yeah, and then a Volkswagen GTI in the middle. But the uh the the 25rs is one that i've always wanted and i want to make it into an off-road capable kind of like rally vehicle so anyways going back i expanded the search to include a little known model called the impreza brighton mm. and again still can't find it but then i was like oh man I, let me re let me remember the specs on the brighton i knew it was a 1.8 liter boxer but i don't remember much else so I, I pull up this article and it, it's talking about it. And it's like, oh, okay, great. This sounds perfect. It's stripped out. It has like less sound deadening than the other Subarus. It has the 1.8 liter, which is great if you want to do a swap. 
that engine's garbage. You can just toss it away. The four-wheel drive system is completely intact, so they didn't skimp on that. Mm-hmm. But then you found out what they did skimp on. First thing, not such a big deal. I could live with it, but no power windows. You <laughs> say, oh, and Sharif, are you really being picky about power windows? No, not really. You know, there's some nostalgia there. I miss having the power windows, right? But it was really the deal breaker was number two. (laughs) Air conditioning was optional. (laughs) Wow. Really? Yeah. Which is really funny because I barely even remember a time when air conditioning was like a checkbox option on a car, right? Like, (laughs) apparently, yeah. And so here's the thing. Both of those, not much of an option or not much of a problem if you really wanted to like think of like a rally-esque kind of car, Uh, especially if you're going to do it for more of a performance build. Okay, AC starts sapping power, you know, and who cares about power? Until you drive in a California summer, people, in the middle of a humid forest and all of a sudden you have no ac and you can't reach over to the passenger side to roll down that window because (laughs) you're driving on a bumpy road (laughs) you're gonna hate yourself yeah yeah i was like okay ac and power windows are a minimum (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely i mean if you're living in california you must have ac yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a deal breaker here yeah. for sure. When when is the project going to start, Sheriff? If I can even find a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Here is how crazy the market is. Okay, if I want to buy a two point five RS with I don't know, let's say a hundred hundred thirty thousand miles, I may be able to find one. It's still incredibly difficult. I. Mm. The last one that I saw that was posted somewhere for sale was like six months ago. Okay. However, if I want to buy a JDM, and for those of you who don't know what this means, it means Japanese domestic market, which means imported to the US from Japan had to go through a bunch of legal loopholes and all sorts of crap. Okay, but if I wanted to buy a JDM version three Subaru WRX STI, I can do that right now. Sixteen grand (laughs) (laughs) to buy one of the most legendary Japanese vehicles ever made. I can do it right now. I mean, I don't have the money to do it, but it's way more feasible for me to get that Mm -hmm. than an American mass-produced car. <laughs> right. That's crazy. And you flip uh, those imported ones in, in the state? I don't know about the current market for JDM Subarus. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. If it was the Nissan Skyline, the answer is absolutely yes. You can sell a, any generation Nissan Skyline tomorrow. Uh, or even a USDM Supra if you could mm-hmm. find a uh, an OG, you know, second gen Supra that was like, even with a hundred thousand miles, you could flip that thing very easily. But JDM Subarus, it's kind of niche, kind of mm-hmm. niche. 
And truth, truth be told, if I was really going to go for a crazy JDM car, I wouldn't go for a JDM Subaru. I'd, I'd go for like a Tommy Mackinnon Lancer Evo, or I'd go for like an R32 Skyline, you know, or something like that. That That's more my flavor. <laughs> so yeah, yeah I can that's really interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it, it, to me, that, that says something very interesting. It means that everybody who now those cars have filtered through the years of ownership, yeah. they found their final homes. Like a lot of those people don't want to get rid of them or don't think that they're going to get enough value for them in sales. So they're just going to hold on to that, which I find is really is, is kind of heartwarming, even to my dismay. Yeah, there's something romantic about the idea that like the last, I don't know, let's say there are like 30,000 of them out there. Mm. They're in their forever homes. They're not really going to change hands anymore. There's mm. something kind of like, aw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like this is very interesting you brought up because I was talking to Thomas the other day. Like Thomas... You guys know Thomas? <laughs> like me. Yep. He, he told me that you should get like a used truck or something. And I told mm-hmm. him, yeah, but like, I, I still want to keep the Alfa Romeo because eventually in 20 years later, this car is going to be vintage and it's going to be classic. Mm-hmm. And then because Alfa Romeo is kind of, it's that kind of car that doesn't die out. It's like a classic vintage look. Every single model. My ideal is going to be either get a truck or SUV mm-hmm. with uh, off-road capable. But also, I might keep on buying Alfa Romeo or like a new Alfa Romeo and then just keep it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And I, I and and then a motorcycle. Call you, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> that can happen anytime. Yeah, because <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm still a car guy, and like I like, I love speed. But mm-hmm. off road and camping is something that I wanted to do for a while now, even before the podcast start. Because now pandemic, this time is very, uh, very tough for us to go out for uh, activities. I even, I even quit basketball for now because I don't want to touch people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like basketball is like physical interactions, but I don't want to do that. But off-road yeah. and like go out camping and having fun outside, it's the other activities that we can definitely first enjoy the weather, enjoy the scenery, but also get a new ideas, clear your mind, and then also talk to people. And it's not harsh. It's yeah. not like, it's not like physical interactions. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah totally. You know, whenever I go to, you know, wilderness or like a canyon or mountain these days, I see a lot of people uh, out every weekend yeah, doing whatever they're doing, hiking and stuff. And uh, I think it's kind of, I guess, good thing about pandemic is to bring families and friends together mm-hmm. in that way. I'm pretty sure it's kind of hard to do like a large gathering, but people yeah. kind of gather as a family or people like gather as small group actually helps to have more close intact interaction mm. instead of just having like a big group. And I mean, having a big group is not a bad thing. It, you know, it's fun time to time, but if you hang out with like small group, you get to get to know the other person deeper. 
Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I think that also is a good sort of pros for, for this phenomenon. It's very interesting because that, that's really one of the, the major themes that I'm kind of seeing as a result of the, the pandemic uh, phenomenon, really. Because if you think about it, it's the first time for the modern world to experience this. So really, there's definitely a, going to be, and there has been, uh, a huge return to kind of traditional entertainment, traditional engagement and values, which I find very heartwarming and very kind of exciting because I feel in our sort of push to, to modernize, we, we've lost some of these touch points. And it's interesting because I sent an article to the guys earlier this week that I feel even shows how, how pervasive this is. One day I, I started searching and looking into a little bit of retro tech and I found actually a, a ton of articles being published now, largely coming out of the UK, but I feel it's going to spread a little bit where they're selling more retro tech than ever before. There's actually a new sale of some retro device happening every three minutes on eBay UK, which is, yeah, which is a crazy statistic. Yeah, that's interesting. And a lot of the reasons that the people cited in the articles were, for example, there's one guy who used an old like PDA device to record his flight logs because he was a pilot mm -hmm. and he liked using the device because it was powered by double a batteries, which made it more reliable. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have USB chargers in a helicopter or an airplane. <laughs> so, and, and carrying a battery bank is a whole extra thing. So he now uses this old device. The largest moves, however, we're coming in two interesting markets. One, MP3 players, because oh, people are oh, wow. yeah, people wow. are getting really frustrated and tired with having to like always have an internet connection. And there are going to be some places and some activities, let's say like you're camping in the wilderness, where you are not going to be able to have a consistent internet connection. Right. You know. Or, in fact, you may be trying to avoid social media and everything like Spotify, Pandora, all of this stuff is linked back into and connects you back into social media. So people are like, I just want to hear music, man. Come on. And finally, the, the most interesting one and relates immediately to what we're talking about with these outdoor activities and connecting with other people was the instant camera. Mm. The camera yeah, is I so well. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And why? Because it, it, it's like an artifact of the moment. Yeah. Right. Like uh, you can take a picture. Everybody's got a million pictures on their phone that they never look at and they never remember. Or they. That's why we right. have these like new features and like Google photos, like, uh, or, or Instagram, remember your thing from five years ago, because nobody ever looks back at their photos, right? right? But a physical artifact of the moment. Mm. Polaroid. 
ポレロイ。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。You guys heard it, but if you have got a chance, you should definitely check out Alton Senna's Formula One online. It's,、uh, the model is coming along and it's in the last phase of polishing it. And then the next step will be making the stand,、mm-hmm. like, a, mm-hmm. like a diorama stand,、yeah. where I, I will put a lot of、uh, emphasis on track and like the, the, the look of tra- the, the track. And nothing, once that thing is put away, Me and one of my other friends, we are, in the meantime, we are, we are also making a diorama Gundam model for a show, which Thomas is going to host for us in the near future. And、yeah. then hopefully that thing comes along. And yeah, doing all these activities, cause I don't want to, like, I used to sit on the computer all day long, just doing designs and talking, checking out social medias, checking out YouTube. And、right. I get to the point where I feel sick. Like,、mm. not mentally sick, physically sick. And then I start looking at different pictures of how, like, I, I, I love to build models in the beginning, but I just doesn't have that much time to put it into it. But now, since the pandemic started, I can't even find a proper activities. I figure, yeah, let's, why not just get back to the model making process, model making hobbies? Yeah. And right. That's how I get started everything. And like, What you guys was mentioned about outdoor camping and stuff. My goal was to go out with you guys and then do camping and take photos and observe the scenery. And my ultimate goal will be making that diorama of、wow. that scenery of、That's、that moment. Yeah. The、right. moment of just like how you guys, how Sharif was talking about capture the moment using Polaroid camera. My way of capture the moment is to create the model, exact models of us hanging out and then just chatting and tell the story, you know? And then I think、mm-hmm. that would serve both way of indoor activity and outdoor activities without digital electronics. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically love... 3D photos. Yeah. Yeah. And、mm-hmm. I love, I just love the process of creating models and then the process of thinking through the design. Even though the model is pre-designed already, I will be still putting a lot of design emphasis on the、mm-hmm. model. They say about how the color and materials will become and how dent will become and how, how the, how detailed the model will be. They, these are all designs. And without observing the natures, without observing the scenarios, I can't do that.、Right. So it served both ways for me. <laughs> that is、yeah. very interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I think there's also benefit in indoor activity as well after pandemic is because especially for a lot of people who has those sort of hobbies in indoor because you're working remotely or、um, you're not really bounded by you don't have to go out to, to work, you know, time to time. And I think that actually helps、um, saving those commuting time to do a lot of different stuff. And I think one thing I didn't like about going to work was get washed up and getting changed. I mean, I do wash up in the morning, but you know, like getting changed and stepping out 
to the house, driving, you know, that's, I love driving, but it's, it's kind of different if you're going to work, going to the mm-hmm. same route. And, um, you know, start working remotely kind of helps me to save those time to do like a planting, a little bit of exercise in the morning, you know, cooking. And I, I never cooked before. And then like starting pandemic, I start cooking, you know, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's because I get a little bit more free time at home. So yeah. I yeah. think definitely it really helps you to have like indoor hobbies as well. If, you know, once you hit pandemic. I think cooking is a is a great one, and I think we're seeing a lot of people taking that up. Um, I'm with you too. Like I never had time. I felt to sit down, cook, clean, deal with all of all of the whole process, and even experiment. I yeah. just needed to get the nutrition that I needed in order to keep working. Yeah. Uh, but now I'm cooking too, and it, it's wonderful. I enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. And also, I think the, the great thing about, you know, since we I mentioned the uh, working remotely, um, I don't know if you guys done this before, but if you're at a company, it's kind of hard to take a nap, you know, for like <laughs> lunchtime or whatever, you know, but like for me, uh, during like lunchtime, I mean, I, I normally don't have even set of like set time to work or anything, but if I do, I take a nap for like 30 minutes mm. if I'm tired, you know, power nap. That gets me going afternoon really well. <laughs> it's so funny you measure nap. Nap always end up more than 30 minutes for me. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. I'm afraid of taking naps. Again. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> Even with the alarm no. on? Yeah. <laughs> I would just turn off the alarm and then keep sleeping. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm a little bit of both of you. I, sometimes I can stick to like a, a quick schedule, but sometimes, oh, that snooze button gets hit over and over again. <laughs> but Thomas, it's it's so funny because you you actually reminded me of my mom because she used to do the same thing. Like oh, yeah. she would go to work, she worked uh, fairly close to home, like her, her uh, private practice. So she would work in the office, do everything she needed. She'd come home, make herself a quick lunch. And no joke, this lady could sleep to the second if she wanted to. She would just sit on a chair, take a power nap for like 20 to 30 minutes, wake up, go back to work, fully energized. Like she had had like three cups of coffee. And if you can get in a routine of doing that, it can actually be very, very beneficial. I know a lot of times in workplaces, like if you want to go out to your car and take a nap, people kind of like look down on you. Like, oh, right. are you like pushing that hard already? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like no, sometimes it feels good to get a boost in energy. Yeah, and with your own bed. Uh, so much better. Yeah. So much better. <laughs> the, way, the way that I boost my energy is by making models. I just make models mm. and models and I think like for me making models kind of clear my mind. I don't even have to think about it. Right. It's like a therapy. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of models, I just got a Ducati models recently. Awesome. I haven't even get started, so looking forward to that, Thomas. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that too. <laughs> Thomas yeah. for the speakers out there, Thomas was a big big Ducati fan. He's yeah. A huge, huge Ducati fan. <laughs> Well, just to give you a little bit more detail, I am into more classic Ducatis than mm-hmm. like a modern Ducati. I mean, as mm-hmm. you know, like I buy used truck, used bike. I like old stuff. 
but uh, ironically, I design newer yeah. stuff. So yeah, I think I think that's how the design trends are now because yeah, like when we do design research and stuff, we tend to look at vintage goods mm-hmm. and vintage mm-hmm. materials, right? And even for even the new car nowadays, like Defenders, Bronco, you name it, they all have the vintage look, but you know, a modern twist, right? So I think I think the the pandemic really gave us everybody opportunities to look back and see how to improve everything. Yeah, no, I I really agree, I, and I think another thing I would like to mention is the outdoor dining. So uh, yeah, yeah, I start seeing you know these outdoor dinings kind of reminds me of old Asia. Like I think Joe mentioned, you you mentioned mm-hmm. that before too. Uh, it looks like a night market, right? Yeah. 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 And uh, that kind of brings back the good breeze, you know, I think because I like the outdoor, sitting out there. I always like the patio, even before pandemic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people think it's dirty or, you know, um, they, the sunlight is like too much or something. But I always like, because you're always working indoor, why do I have to eat indoor too? Might as well just get some yeah. sunlight and have some fresh air. I always tell all my friends that I hope that outdoor dining remain open when pandemic right. is over because right. the outdoor dining, it really gives people a sense of freedom. I don't know if you guys feel that, but a sense of freedom and a sense of fullness of your right. bodies and the environments around you. Mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting that compares to Taiwan, there's a lot of night markets and a lot of food outside and then mm-hmm. a lot of uh, stands. Yeah. And I always go to that kind of place Usually that kind of place has more taste, it's more classic, and it's more has more uh, human touch in there, human emotions, mm-hmm. other than indoor dining, like high, high-end restaurants or even just uh, regular restaurants. Right. Yeah. And I also look into how when we go on campings, cooking in the camping, camping, camping site, it's also outdoor dining, and that should be enjoyable. Right. Because I think, I think cooking, like you guys are saying, cooking is something that we usually don't do. <laughs> and cooking with outdoor dining, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think we can extrapolate all of this into like a larger sort of like meta trend of a sort of concept of valuing the way things were before that we took for granted. Exactly. You know? Um, and I feel that this is going to be pervasive in so many different aspects of our lives going forward, from the way vehicles are designed to the way uh, technology is designed to uh, experiences like outdoor eating, uh, engaging with other people. And I think that that's really interesting. And I, I'm very curious to see if that's how it's going to be going forward. Let's let's keep an eye on this. Let's let's kind of see how how many different areas this actually may end up touching and going forward. Oh